everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. Tonight, we're going to do a post-match uh, podcast after the Liverpool-Southampton League Cup semi-final. And joining me on the pod to discuss, well, I don't know what we're going to discuss actually after that game. We have Neil Patterson in Berlin. Happy New Year to you, Neil. Uh, all good with you, my man? Good holiday period? Nice time at home? Yeah, yeah. Happy New Year to you as well. It's our first part of the New Year, so welcome to 2017. Yeah, great time at home. Busy as ever. Uh, more knackered when I got back than when I, whenever I went there, so... Great holiday, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, looking uh, looking forward to the, the rest of the season and some more of these podcasts. Yeah, some obviously not some more of the results like we saw tonight. And second up, we have Dave Dunning of Belfast. Dave, I say to yourself, Happy New Year. How are things? Good holiday period. All good with you? Thanks very much, Dave. Yes, lovely holiday period. Had a really nice time. Everything's fine. Trying to recover from the, the abomination that I just watched on the television. So thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm I'm spiffing after that. <laughs> it's just spiffing, I think is the best word to describe it. But listen, yeah. we have a special guest. We have a special guest on tonight in the form of Manu Veth, who I'm not going to wish a Happy New Year to because I talk to him most days <laughs> with one podcast or another. The first time on Copcast, you're very, very welcome, Manu. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you for having me on the show. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about some of these topics. Um, less excited about the game. Uh, I feel well, like I want. I, I feel like I want my afternoon back, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> well, listen, just as a wee sort of uh, introduction, maybe give uh, our listeners, because it says the first time you've been on with us here, give us an idea of what you do in football, the areas you work in, and so on. Floor's yours. Yeah, so I'm the editor in chief of footballgrab.com, um, which covers the entire post-Soviet space. Um, I also do uh, work for the Bundesliga, um, and and. You know, on top of that, I, I actually have a PhD in the history of football as well. So, um, you know, do all sorts of writing. I do a lot of podcasts with the World Football Index as well. I um, do the World Football Index Gegenpressing Bundesliga podcast and then, of course, the, the Football Grad podcast with you. Indeed. And as I say, if, if people are not familiar with those sites, please check them out. As I say Football Grad is a wonderful source of information. And in recent times, has been a, a wonderful fund of knowledge to, for, for Liverpool supporters because there's been quite a bit of interest across there, Manu, uh, from LFC and around the Russian region. Yeah, it has been, hasn't there? I mean, the very first podcast we did together was on Sada Asmoon who's a very talented Iranian attacking forward with um, FC Rostov. Um, Rostov, of course, you know, was the team that beat Bayern Munich and, um, you know, looked very exciting. And Asmoon uh, has been linked with a number of teams, including Liverpool. And, um, it looked like that was, that was actually something that could happen. Um, haven't heard very much about it lately, but, you know, something to keep an eye on. And then, uh, Quincy Bromis, who keeps getting linked with Liverpool. Um, you know, Dutch attacking, uh, right wing and left winger. Place, place for Spartak. Spartak Moscow are mounting a title challenge. And Spartak Moscow, an enormous club. Um, Dave, we've talked many times about Spartak Moscow and the, the amount of pull that team has in, in Russia. And, um, they haven't won a championship in 15 years. So, you know, they're mounting a very serious title challenge this year. They're top on the league and, um, you know, promise keeps getting linked to Liverpool. But, you know, um, and I'll probably get into this in a little bit later. It's going to be a pretty much impossible task getting him um, to join in, in the winter. No, indeed. And we will get into those uh, transfer topics uh, as we go along and certainly with your experience of Klopp and so on and, and you know, what we can maybe Liverpool fans can expect. But I suppose we need to start at this debacle and Chief, I'll, I'll come to you first. Uh, what would you like to say about that this evening? We lost 1-0. We had our comedy defence moment as always. 
um, where not just one, but I think three were actually a culpable for, for for the goal that went in. We're one nil down after the first leg. <laughs> totally uninspiring stuff. I mean, not what we were expecting for January. No, I was actually quietly confident about going into this or before going into this game and uh, about the, our chances tonight because you know we we played Southampton in the competition last year and went there and 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 really hammered them. Uh, we started with Sturridge and Origi up front uh, in a in a two, and they really caused a lot of problems. And I, you know, I thought we we might do something similar again tonight, but uh, it hasn't really transpired like that. And uh, thoroughly uninspiring is is right. I don't know if I can really put my finger on one particular thing that that, that went wrong. I think it's, it's just kind of a a recipe of of things that, that just aren't quite right or weren't quite right tonight and haven't maybe been quite right for the last couple of weeks, maybe. I mean, that's... I, I would say from the last international break, Neil, we have looked a shadow of what we looked going into that break. Maybe, maybe. But then, to, to be fair, coming out the other side, we, we beat uh, Everton 1-0, we beat City 1-0. I mean, these are big games. They're not massively inspire, inspiring performances necessarily, but they've been gritty and they were certainly what what some commentators were were calling out for earlier in the season, you know, gritty one no wins and all that. Um, but I I know what you mean. Yeah, I think you're right. But uh, it's been noticeable really in the last couple, of, particularly the Sunderland game. Uh, obviously, we played the kids against Plymouth, um, and we didn't get a win there either. And now we've we've turned up tonight and and really not threatened. I think it's fair to say we haven't really threatened, we haven't really created anything that's made Foster, um, or Forster, however you want to <laughs> pronounce it, uh, make a, a great save. Uh, we haven't we haven't been cutting them open. We had two shots on target only. I think we only had five attempts in the whole game. So it's really a very different, um, a very different attacking force. I mean, several reasons for that, as as we've mentioned, you know, in, injuries, um, Coutinho being out. Uh, Mane not being there, it's obviously going to be a big miss. But yeah, it, it, it hasn't been flowing the way it was earlier in the season. And yeah, it's just starting to get a little bit, um, if not worrying, then then slightly concerning. No, absolutely. And, and, and Dave, yourself, like I know you're you're not particularly happy with it, and you know you're 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 a bit sort of upset the way these cup competitions are, are running into us at the moment, and you know probably rightly so. But, you know, it's not probably the end of the world losing 1-0, but it's just, I think, the manner of it. You know what I mean? We take them back to Anfield, we'll probably turn that 1-0 over, no problem. But it's just the manner of that loss. And just, you know, as I said to Neil, you know, before that interna- last international break, we were playing some spectacular football. We were waxing lyrical on this podcast about, you know, the cohesion in that team, the movement amongst the front three and so on. It all seems to have just disappeared, Dave. Yeah, as I said earlier, Dave, that I thought I was, I was more disappointed with the performance than the result itself. Um, I don't think losing 1-0 away from home um, in the first leg of a cup competition against Southampton and taking them back to Anfield with, with that is by any means a terrible result. You know, we're, we're coming up to an unbeaten run of, of 12 months at Anfield. So, you know, you'd be going in there thinking you're quietly confident, even even with being 1-0 down. But the performance, I think, was the worst of the season. Not only did we not create anything, but, fuck, Nathan Redmond could have scored four goals and probably should have scored four goals. He's a good chance before he scores the goal. Um, he's another one shortly afterwards. Um, and then he, he hits the underside of the bar towards the end when he should, when he should finish. But I suppose one bright light that came from the game, if I'm going to try and remain any way positive, was 
think the goalkeeper did very well. Made three or four smart saves. He was good in the air. A couple of good punches. Um, was sharply off his line. Made himself big. So and as you know, good with his feet. He was sold short with a couple of back passes that he was he was out to as well and managed to clear. So good performance from him. I, I think I think that'll do him the world of good because you know that might as well have been a Premier League game. That's something to cling to. But um, I think Neil's I think Neil's Neil's absolutely right. I think um, we we don't have the we don't have the backup players to come in and do the job that that preferred front six does. Um, if you take one or two out, it's difficult. You're, you know, you're, you're tonight. You're asking, you're asking Chan to do what Lallana does, and I thought he was really poor. Worst performance I've seen from him. You're asking Sturridge to do what Firmino does, which he just can't do. Again, the, the, the two of them, um, it just didn't work in that system. Um, too many touches, laboured in the ball, too slow were dispossessed. I, they must have dispossessed, been dispossessed more times or lost the ball more times than, than passes that they made from the game that I watched. So too much disruption in that front six. I think, you know, as weeks go by, we're, we're maybe starting to appreciate what Henderson does, possibly playing in that holding role. So, yeah, um, it's not a great performance, but I, I think it's fair to say that we can only go one way from that. No, indeed. Only one way. It's, it's the worst I've seen this season. Manu, as as a neutral, basically, uh, in this for this game, and, and, you know, obviously you've watched a lot of Dortmund under Klopp and so on, this isn't really what I was kind of expecting uh, of a Klopp side. You know, he, he's here over a year now. It's it just, you know, he talks about heavy metal football and so on. That's just very timid stuff that we saw tonight and not what I would expect from a team managed by Jurgen Klopp. Uh, yeah, it, it it was a very disappointing game. Obviously, you know, not everything he did at Dortmund was great. Um, not Dortmund didn't play every game on the highest level either. That's impossible, you know. Um, especially, and I think this is this is something that is really difficult in England, um, and maybe makes it more difficult than most other leagues is the succession of games. Um, you know, to such an to such a degree that it really. De- degrades the, the type of football that you see on television because th- when when you used to do watching the Bundesliga on a daily basis um it's just way way faster than than this and I think you know that's maybe something that's difficult but you, you're absolutely right Dave I mean this this performance all around there was no structure in it there was no identity in in, in Liverpool's game and um I just don't know um, you know, how you can really fix that either, because, you know, when you have players like Roberto Firmino on there, um, or Lalana, um, or Emre Can, who's after all a German national team player, you know, all these guys, they, they, sh- they should be able to stamp on an identity, um, in one way or another, or, you know, at least f- try, you know, try fight for an identity and play harder football because they, they were just dragging their feet, you know, um, the only heavy metal thing about this was like maybe the heavy metal that you could, it looked like they had heavy metal around their feet because it was so slow. And I felt, you know, when uh, Felipe Coutinho come, came on, I thought, okay, well, this is going to be it. But um, there wasn't anything there. And I'm curious to hear some of you other guys' opinion about that. But, you know, there was no spark ever created from the bench either. And a couple pictures too, where Klopp was just sitting on the bench and didn't really, you know, interact with his players. Um, I just thought there was... Everyone just seemed really exhausted. It was a 
a tepid performance, should we say? Like it, there was no, as as you say, man, no no spark, no urgency. And I thought, uh, obviously, it was a, it was a different team. It was a team with with most with a lot of young players at the weekend. But I thought it was it was similar there. There was no urgency. There was nobody saying like, let's take the game, let's let's have a go, let's let's get in. Yeah, that's, was, that's absolutely it. You know, you, you didn't see that at all. Um, and you didn't see that spark from the bench either. And, you know, I almost wonder if um, this is a good situation to, because Filippi Cortino has been injured for a while, right? I wonder almost if that was a good situation to bring him in and maybe it would have been better to bring in a young kid like Ben Woodburn, um, who seems quite promising and bring him in there because, you know, when he was at Dortmund at first, he would throw in young guys um and sort of use games like that to prove themselves. And I think that's almost would have been the better thing to do in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he he almost panicked. Not panicked, there was, there was a, a slight air of desperation is the word. I think I'm looking forward to, you know, to try and get it back. And Coutinho comes on. It, it's good for him to come on and get, get minutes. And, and he, he played all right. But you could see as well that he's coming on with the mindset you know, I'm, I have to do something here. I'm going to do something here to, to pull this back, to score a goal, to set, set up the killer chance. And there were a few examples of that. I mean, the one that he blams from like 35 yards or something, oh, yeah. and it just goes, it just goes rosette. Like, nowhere near. And, and it was a, a bit of a throwback to the continue we were seeing last season, as opposed to the one we've been seeing this season. That, that kind of, when we were relying on him a lot, uh, especially Rogers' final season and, uh, and 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 the crossover there last season with with uh, Klopp as well. When Coutinho feels like he's he 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 takes it all on his shoulders, the, his game suffers and the game the the team's game in general doesn't hang together. I mean, we had I don't know ten minutes, fifteen minutes where we looked like we were building something in the second half, where it looked like it might come, it might come together, and then it just it just dropped off completely. Then on about seventy two, seventy three minutes, and after that it. We didn't look like we were coming back, and it was it was. A but it's the of, final third that's so disappointing. The mm. final third was where we were so good early season, and it all seems to have gone. It seems to have fractured, and 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 whatever reason, the mindset or whatever seems to have changed. We just seem sort of impotent in front of goal. But it does tend to happen, though. The teams, like even teams that start off scoring a lot of goals, you know, they will go through periods in a season where they are grinding out results, or they are hanging on in there in games, or whatever. And, and that seems to be where we are now. But I think a big part of it was the the switch was Coutinho's injury and the switch to Firmino going out left, as opposed to playing through the middle. Uh, you couple that with the fact that we don't have a man eight tonight, so you've got nobody with that explosive bit of pace who can just stop it and then go and get around the other side and create something. Uh, I mean, we had a f- fairly stunning lack of pace in the side tonight, if you think about it. I mean, Milner at left back. Uh, neither Clavin nor Lovren has has any pace at the back. You've got midfielder Emre. Once he gets going, he's all right, but he, he takes a while to get on his bike. Lalana is not the quickest. Um, you know, Sturridge ha- used to have a lot of pace, but even now, over a couple of yards, he just doesn't have that much. Um, so we were kind of lacking that 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 Mane and and Dave alluded to it earlier. Without him, there, there's nobody coming in doing his job. There's nobody else in the squad I don't think that, that we can call on to come in and do that yeah I think um, you know Dave you look at I think there's, there's no there's no debate I think that we're at our best when the front three are, are Firmino through the middle and Mane and Coutinho either side of them and that's absolutely when we play our best football and then 
I think Lilana is also an important part of that. You'd almost call that a four. And what you've done there is you've two of them missing and you've two of them playing in formation in positions that are not aligned to that preferred front four. You've Lilana playing as part of the front three and you'd rather have him deeper and you've Firmino out the left and you, and you lose what he does through the middle and he's nowhere near as effective um, when he's out that left-hand side. So to have that much disruption um, in that system and then bring to that, you've got Chan could not be a more opposite player than Adam Lalana trying to do Adam Lalana's job. Um, and his game suffers for that. And then, you know, you were talking about pace there. Nadie, you didn't even mention Lucas. Um, <laughs> Justice for Lucas. Leave Lucas alone. He's nearly a pensioner. Leave the man alone. The, pro- the see, prosecution rest. Yeah, like see, like, see, to be fair, I thought he was probably one of our better players on the night. I thought his passing was very good, um, especially in the first half. Um, and, you know, he is good in the air. And I think he did his job rightly. But, you know, he, 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 isn't, he isn't anywhere near as athletic. He's, he's nowhere he's near as athletic as Jordan Henderson is. So that's another aspect that you have to consider. But we, we, need, to, we need to look at replacing some of these players with more similar qualities um, and more similar skill set to the players that we have because the system doesn't fit players that we have in the background. And I questioned earlier in the season where Sturridge was going to fit into this side and I questioned earlier also where, where Chan would fit into the, the way that we've been, we're playing at the start of the season when whenever we saw this, this 4-3-3 and I'm still asking myself the same question and we're over halfway through the season now. I don't know what you guys think about those oh. two, but it's starting to concern me as to do they have a long-term future at the club if we continue to play the way we do? Because they're both quality footballers, there's absolutely no doubt about it, but we do not get anywhere close to the best of their abilities when we play that style. You see, to maybe address um, one of the issues, the, the, the pace um, issue, and you, you've seen the, the, the fact, you've seen that with Dortmund actually a few few times um, when when he was still coaching there that, you know, the team was very ineffective in front of the net at times and needed a lot of chances and would play for these chances. Um, so, you know, what I'm missing a little bit is someone who's finishing the, the, the game was finishing goals, finishing in front of the net. And Sturridge just doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't have that ability to maybe jump in on Emre Shan. You know, um, he was, he's a Bayern Munich product. You know, he's a very highly talented midfielder. And I think a lot, a lot of teams would be really happy to have him. I think what, um, needs to happen with him, maybe this was a big, a bit of a problem today. You know, he's, he, I personally think he's very dynamic and he can play several positions in midfield and he can even play as a right back, a left back, you know, all of that. And he's played as a number 10 too for Germany. Um, I think what really needs to happen with him, he needs someone who, um, he doesn't need, he needs to play without covering for someone else. And I think that's what happened tonight with, um, with Lucas because, um, Obviously, Lucas doesn't have the, 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 the legs, right? So, you know, I felt that Emre Can had to kind of cover for both. And that is, that is obviously a bit of a problem. Yeah, I agree. Anyone who, who plays alongside Lucas there is pretty much doing all his running because we, we all know, maybe even 
maybe even better than Jurgen, or maybe that's being a little bit presumptuous. But we've watched Lucas for years and years, and we all know he doesn't have more than 45 minutes in his legs. So uh, I'm sure Emre is doing a lot of covering for him. Uh, but I, I also agree with you, Dave, uh, on the point of storage. I, I don't think he does have a future at the club anymore. I, I don't know where they're if if Klopp's going to keep this system and and be kind of rigid with it in the sense that he's not going to switch it up. I thought we might see a four four two tonight, as I mentioned earlier, and I thought you know it's been mentioned. You you said it, Dave, about um, the players coming in not really fitting, not being like for like replacements, and that's that's really why the system breaks down and. In a way, if you don't have those like-for-like replacements, maybe you should think about changing the system when you have the option to do that. But if he is going to stick with this, the four-three-three, as you say, and sort of play with those interchanging forwards and um, uh, and all of that, then I don't see Sturridge having a, a big role. I, I think as Liverpool fans as well, we kind of assume, or not assume, we all think, I think that uh, Sturridge works better in a two and doesn't really work that well playing as a lone striker and has never really done that well playing as a lone striker. And it's all his, his, his best times have come when he's playing as part of a two. So, I agree with that, yeah. So, yeah, so I don't really, I don't I don't see Sturridge on a long-term future. As you say, Manu Emery, he's, he's still young and he's got he's got a lot of talent. He can play a lot of positions and I'm sure we'll... Uh, We'll find one that, that uh, or find a system or a slot in the system where he can come to his best. But I think Danny's days may be, may be numbered. Well, I'm just curious, you know, you know, our, our, as a Liverpool fan base, we sort of love Daniel Sturridge and we have this sort of myth. A lot of uh, Liverpool fans have this myth that he's a saviour and he's, not, he's always injured. Every time we've ever needed him in the last two, three years, he's, he's always been injured. You know, as, as you know, as a non-Liverpool supporter, what is your, how good do you think Sturridge is and, and why do you think he's having so much trouble? Oh, Sturridge. Um, yeah, uh, I personally never quite understood why people have so much faith in him um as an outsider as a non-english man too you know um i i always thought that there was a lot of hype about him um and he does he does get goals on occasions but he's also seems trying to look for the right word flaky um perma injured <laughs> yeah he's in, well he's injured but he's Flake, all, Flake, he's a good one he's just he's just doesn't bring the consistency that you want from a top striker Right, he doesn't guarantee you a goal every second game, which is what you look for for in a top striker, right? And then he just disappears. And we all know that Klopp likes to play football where you have to work really, really hard. You know, you look at the guys that um, have worked with him in the past, someone like Robert Lewandowski, for example. He's an all-around forward because he doesn't just sit up front and wait for the ball to come to him. He he drops deep. He works hard. Um, same with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's another one, right? Another player who works really, really hard and drops deep, gets the ball deep, um, fits into the system, plays the first line of defense. And I don't see any of that with Sturridge. And I, f- I feel like he doesn't even have the, the, the physical attributes to play that kind of game. See, if you play for Klopp, you have to basically, uh, in his system, you always outrun your opponent. That is, that is the number one goal of Klopp football. And that means you need players that can do that for you. And you need players to buy 100% into that system. And, you know, I don't think Sturridge is that kind of player. Do you? Yeah. 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 I, I just, it's it, the, 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 the gulf 
between what he does playing through the middle and what Firmino does playing for the middle is incredible. And I, I, as Neil said, I, I always think um, Sturridge has, has been at his best when he's, he's played with the, played in a two, um, obviously with Suarez. And to be fair, you know, there was probably a season and a half there where he went through a period where he was close to a goal a game. Probably, well, better than a goal every other game anyway, absolutely. And it wasn't hat-tricks. It was, it was one or two goals in games consistently. Um, and the thing why we, I think the thing why we have, the, the thing is why we've kept faith in Sturridge is because when he came back from the multiple injuries that he had, he always seemed to hit the ground running. He always seemed to score in his first game back or his second game back. And then he would go on a run. But that run wouldn't be ended by by form. It would be ended by injury. And at this point now, you know, he's not being put straight back into the team. He's not getting a run of games. I accept that. And, and that may be one of the contributing factors behind his, his form. But I just, I agree with Manny with regards to the physical attributes. I just, you know, you saw you saw the, the penalty claim where he went over very easily. And you maybe call it a dive, but I just thought he was so weak. Van Dijk bossed him, absolutely bossed him for 90 minutes, physically, with speed, with strength, with his physicality, with his ability to turn away from him, shield the ball, get in front of him. And, you know, he fought a losing battle all night, and Van Dijk looked like the best centre-half in the world playing against him this evening. Um, Although he is a a quality centre-half, I'll give you that, that's not a slight on him, but um, it just looks so, so easy for him against Sturridge tonight, and that's a worry for me. So I think the physicality is is an issue as much as anything else. Yeah, I mean, I was, was going to just mention what, what Dave said there about the the goal return, because there was a time where pretty much if, if Daniel, Daniel Sturridge was starting the game, you were you were pretty sure he would score. You could pretty much put your house on it. Like, I mean, if you, you have a bet on it, you more more than likely win. And... I think Daniel's he's got he's got the attributes to, to score you a goal out of nothing. He he can't just shake like he he almost did against Plymouth with his with his first touch, uh, where he just makes that yard and or half a yard and, and smashes one and it just hits the side netting and just goes wide. Probably one of the best efforts we had in that whole game. But the physicality is a problem and I think while Klopp is bound to recognise his goal scoring talent, I think what what Manu says is is pretty much spot on. He doesn't have he doesn't have the whole package. He's not a he's, he's a quality player in certain certain respects, but he's not gonna he's not gonna go out and take hold of a game. But the thing thing about him is, and, and one thing that has happened is that the drop off has come in Sturridge since Klopp came in. I mean, there is there is no doubt about that. Like under Rogers, Sturridge was just a much a much better player, a much more lethal finisher, uh, much more sort of in tune. And maybe, I, I don't know whether that's been a psychological thing, whether it's a systemic thing, whether it's to do with the fact that the injuries have taken more out of him now or what it is. But there has been a noticeable drop-off. Uh, and there have been a lot of a lot of players that Klopp has improved no end and worked wonders with, but the Daniel Sturge is not one of them. Yeah, do you know what, Neil? It, it brings me to a quote I heard from Klopp Yes, maybe I think it was yesterday, where he mentioned that there's he mentioned that uh, there was no doubting Sturridge's his goal scoring ability, his his intelligence and his creativity, and then he said something. It wasn't quite as blatant as, 
but you need more than that to succeed at this club at the highest level in this team. But it was something along those lines which was a bit more subtle. And I wonder, is is is, is that what he is actually thinking? Um, and do we are we maybe best placed in, in waiting to the um, waiting to see if we can we can stretch five months fitness out of him here to the end of the season and maybe use that as a as a as a ploy to try and get some sucker to buy him because you know yeah. regardless of his talent he, he isn't ever going to be fit for any consistent uh, length of time that's what history's told us I don't see us offering him a new contract like so no I don't either especially considering the money he's on I think he is the, I think behind is it behind Milner he's the highest paid player at the club I think he's on about 130 grand a week yeah yeah Holy and you know moly. if you look at that yeah and if you look at that <laughs> that's insane so, yeah, yeah. And Philip continues on Philip continues Jeremy. on you know almost half that and then you, you you know we talked about Lucas earlier on you throw Lucas into the bargain that's another £100,000 a week and you know these guys these guys you know there's, there's, there's no, no value uh, in them Dave there's no value yeah. in them there's uh, no value in them £130,000 for Sturridge are you kidding yeah, me yeah. what has the guy yeah. won that justifies that I, so, uh, sorry, that's just uh, I, I, you, I, you, sort of, you sort of know those numbers in the back of your head, right? And then you, then you, someone speaks them out loud, and you just realize like there's, n there's no way oh, that can't shit. be right. And <laughs> Do you know is, what it this is, is insane. But this is insane. I mean, I'm looking at his injury history right now, right? And there is not a season. I give you a couple numbers here. So last season he missed close to 30 games. At his oh, season, I know all the, the season numbers. Before, yeah, then 17 games last season. He's already on six games this season. And they're not big injuries. They're all little things. Which and they're always at a time where we actually need him to come in yeah. the first team. Yeah, but all his injuries, when I look at what they are, they're not ACLs or knee sprains or like uh, ankle sprains. They're all like little muscle injury muscle there, injury. like hip it's injury all there. All muscle injuries. Yeah, yeah. Which, is, yeah, which is professional attitude. That's, that's when you get those kind of injuries, you don't work right. Um, that's what and he get, always gets them in training as well. He never gets them in a game. Yeah, Very rarely gets them in a game. That's that's life and attitude. And I guess if you're on 130,000 pounds, um, why would you work hard, right? You already have the contract of the of your dream. Yeah, that's mind boggling. I think he that's negotiated it just the right time. I think he got it after the 13, 14 season. Oh man, I mean, Klopp must be just reeling over that one. <laughs> He makes probably twice as much as Lewandowski did when he played first at Dortmund. Just to, to put that in perspective, it's that's insane. <laughs> yeah, to put that in perspective as well, man. You know, there's there's players in that league getting paid twice that. Yeah, but some um, of them deserve it. Well, some do. Yeah, yeah, really? They have got Wayne Rooney. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get into that one. We'll be here all night, but. Um, you know, that's still, you know, I, I don't get it. You know, if you are on that kind of money and if you are the highest paid player on your team, you better pull that. You know, you better pull your team. If, you know, that's, that's the statement, right? It's going to be hard to get anything of value for him. You know, they, I, I think they will have to pretty much sit it out with him. Yeah. Either we sit it out and let him go on a free or we like maybe somebody gives you 10 million for him or something. There's always but China. <laughs> yeah, well, China might not. I, I can't see Daniel Sturridge going there. I mean, I can't even see him going abroad. Who are you going to sell him to? I mean, it would have to be a, 
I mean, we're going off on a mad tangent here, like. But it I know it's to... almost it's almost as if it's the end, isn't it? It's the end. We've just how long decided. We've just It's the end. I'm gonna go and phone somebody in China. Name <laughs> you go and speak like, to your your people. In, thirty in, million in, euros, they can have them. Sure. That, he that, does, it, it doesn't get any game time, and I'm pretty sure that if he goes. If we go to the summer, that is 12 months left on his contract or something, or 18 months? I think months, you're right. It's uh, 24 right. months in the summer. It's 2019 oh, it's 20... is his contract. Uh, contract. Oh, okay. Okay, so oh, still fuck. Right, okay. <laughs> We're stuck with him. <laughs> so, maybe, so maybe we'll get it. I think Klopp will try to sell him, though, in the summer. I I just think he would have used him more. Or, what, what, what is your opinion, Manny? Oh, who's going to buy him? Who's going to well, buy you, an injury-prone English forward? Who's West Ham definitely. <laughs> West Ham done well, it before. Arsenal. No, no, that's 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 a good point. There is enough. Arsenal, there's enough they teams that have injury yeah. prone forwards. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's a good point. I mean, like you, you're right. There is enough teams in in the in the Premier League that have the silly money to to waste it on a player like him. Uh, I'm not wasted. You know, like he will be a good return for a team that wants to challenge for maybe a Europa League spot, right? But he's not a Champions League caliber player, even though his money and his price tag suggests that he is, but he is not. So, you know, like, you know, someone in the Premier League might give, might be saying, okay, well, we need a forward, so let's spend it on him. I mean, after all, they sold Ben Teke as well, right? For what, 30 million pounds? So yeah, it, right. it shows you Good there's a, there's a, oh, see, there you go. There's a market for all sorts of silly transfers in, uh, in England. So maybe it's going to happen. Yeah. People will, people will look at him and they'll think, it's, if it's going to be fifteen or twenty million, it's worth a gamble, Absolutely. and that's what some of the, that's what some of those teams will think. And we've seen it before with loads and loads of players. So it, it, he'd be absolutely perfect for a Bournemouth or someone. I mean, they, they, I know. Can you imagine he, him he, and Jack Wilshere at Bournemouth? It'd be bang the come down in the world for and I think that that's a big part of it as well. The come down in the world for Daniel Sturridge might be a little too much for him to take. It's a big one because he's not. I, I don't see Daniel no one in the top six abroad. Like, do you see him going abroad? I don't see him going to Spain or France. Not or, on or that salary. Like Not on that salary. No way. Um, no. And also, if you look, there's no one beyond in the Premier League now, seventh place, bar maybe Arsenal. Maybe Arsenal. So you're going down to West Brom, the highest place Premier League team that you could... Conceive, yeah. it has been, you can see selling them too, which is mad. Stoke likes projects. Yeah, you know, oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's mad. That's mad to even say that. It's a mad drop-off because Arsenal is the only team left because he's been at City and he's been, he's at, been Chelsea. at Chelsea. And he won't, go to, he won't sell them to United, but he won't sell them to Everton. So. so, yeah, you're looking at Arsenal or Bust. I suppose Arsenal or West Brom or Stoke or fucking West Ham or well, he would fit Stoke. He would fit Stoke quite nicely because they have a, a gulf of players there that they can't use because they've got you know doesn't really fit their system. And you know, I, I actually did a, a Stoke preview for Cop Table, and the Stoke fans were given out that Mark Hughes needs to go because he's taking the team on as far as they can go. And you know, you're talking about the players like Bojan and Shakiri there. If you throw a Sturridge in with them and a three, all of a sudden that, that looks that, that looks like a that good, pretty good. Move and then you've got Arnautovic there as well. Like, who's where do they want Stoke enough, like? to be in the league? Fifth? Seriously, well, though. Mark Hughes has taken Stoke a brave, a brave distance. Let's like let let's get away from the fact that he's taken Tony them to Poole, the eighth in the league. Like how but hang on, but where is he taking them from? Tony Poole has play, played fucking rugby with this team. 
Um, he did, they, they actually play football now. I Tony think it's credit to them. got them into the UEFA Cup, though, or the Europa League or something. Don't forget one year. <laughs> oh, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> but but this, is, this, this is so mad. This is going off on a mad tangent. But this is Everton fans as well, giving out about Koeman. Where the fuck do they expect Everton to be? Yeah, Which of those six teams above them do they expect to be ahead of? It's just mad. Here, do you know who we can sell storage to? I just thought of it. Spurs. Oh, they're mugs. Yeah, they would buy him right they now. They would sign him. And, they need, and he'd probably do fucking well for them. That, yeah, he probably would, yeah. My, and my the, wor- the London aspect as well will appeal to him big time. Yeah, my worry about storage is... There's the run loads too, so maybe that wouldn't work. And Harry Kane is actually, by all accounts, a pretty inhuman forward in the in the. Yeah, American he's perfect for them, isn't like. he? He's like yep. what Torres was for us. But my worry about Sturridge is you sell him and he fucking goes somewhere. Like, say he went to Arsenal and scored 25 goals. No, it would just be terrible to have that to happen, wouldn't it? Not with, not, with the, not with the injuries he's getting. There's no way. Um, no, especially no, the type no, of injuries no. he's getting. And if he lives in London, you think his lifestyle is going to improve? Do you um, think he fucks about? I mean, he seems like a real... I mean, he's a very churchy kind look, of guy. Look at yeah, his, he's look a very at his, religious guy. No, but look at his injury history. He's doing something not right. I mean, it's, Man, not, just I, about, it's not just about like, screwing around, right? It's also about um, when you when the training ends, you put in an extra shift in the, in the, the fitness room, right? You work with athletic trainers to, to stabilize your body. If you have that kind of muscle injuries, then you do something about it. Does he do that? Like, I mean, I don't know enough about the club, but I... You know, if it keeps coming back, you know, you're supposed to train. I don't remember when Ari and Robin first moved to Bayern. You know, they did everything in the power that they could do to get the guy fit so that he could play enough games. So he went to special trainers. They gave him this jumpsuit that he can wear underneath the jersey so he would stay warm, right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Does he do these kind of things? Is he a professional? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really seem that, you know, you don't really hear anything about that, do you? I, yeah. well, no. he, he used to get injured on England duty quite a bit during the 13-14 season. Every time he went to play for England, he came back injured. And that that was under the Hodgson era uh, uh, of okay. England. And and there was always a problem every time he played for England. Uh, yeah, you know, Dave, you know, and Neil, you know as well, I've talked in length about Sturridge's injuries. And you know my my thought on, on Daniel Sturridge, that he's, it, that he's not even worth... We've talked about him for about half an hour now. And <laughs> what I've always said is, He's not even worth having the conversation because he isn't worth having the conversation because. But he's infuriating, and that's why he keeps coming back, Dave. Yeah, he simply he simply cannot be relied on, and that is well, the well, bottom line here. Well, let's let's talk, let's stop talking about getting rid of somebody and talk about the possibility of bringing. You know, we're we're sitting second in the league, and for my money, at this moment in time, we should be thinking about. Given the last two games, especially, we've seen that our kids are are fine. They're developing, but they're maybe just not ready to jump in at the level that we expect them at the moment. So therefore, surely recruitment should be on the table, given that the transfer window's open. And as I say, Manu's here for this reason, um, you know, because a lot of our targets fall into his sort of region of, of football. Uh-oh. And, and just, uh, yeah, oh, exactly, Manu. And you're, you're going to burst our bubble on this one because, uh, again, I think I saw yesterday that somewhere, one of the newspapers in England had reported, you know, that Klopp had told Liverpool to go and get Quincy Promise regardless of the price. Now, we know, I know from talking to you that that price is 50 million euro and i know from my, my experience of dealing with ukrainian clubs that the price is 50 million euro so i don't see that one as a starter and, and you've said as well it's sort of gone cold on that end man yeah it was the latest i've heard that um quincy promise doesn't want to leave spartak in the winter um i saw 
you know, there, there has been rumors about an exit clause, um, Spartak admitting that Quincy Promise has an exit clause. And immediately you saw in the mirror, exit clause is 25 million euros. Uh, completely made up number. Um, you know, Leonid Fidun was a super, super rich owner of Spartak Moscow. He's worth billions, you know, uh, Roman Abramovich kind of type of money. He's, he's mentioned, um, in an interview about a year ago that a team will have to spend between 40 and 50 million euros to get Quincy Promise. Um, so I assume the exit clause is in that kind of region. He has signed a new contract since then, a five year contract, uh, last summer actually. And, um, he's on 5 million euros a, a season at Spartak. Now keep in mind in Russia, players are considered artists and artists in the Russian Federation only play, pay 13% tax, right? So you will basically have to pay him 5 million after tax, um, which is somewhere in the region of 10 million pounds, I assume, right? It's 50% tax on the highest tax rate in the UK. So that's going to make this extremely difficult. On top of that, Spartak will do everything in the power to keep the player because they really want to make that, that title push, you know, um, when finally win the Russian championship and go back to Champions League. I, I've dealt with transfers in the past. I, I really tightly covered the Alex Tajera uh, transfer last season, um, which probably all of you fondly remember. The guy from Shakhtar Donetsk. I refer to it as a disaster rather yeah. than a transfer. Uh, I've, yeah, I think um, it was one of the maddest Januarys in my life because um, together with Alexei Yaroshevsky, we had insights in what was going on in Shakhtar Donetsk because we both have contacts at the very high up. So uh, I was one of the people early on and said, like, this is going to cost 70 million euros. And everyone was battering me for it and saying, like, no, there's no way. And I'm like, is it going to cost 70 million euros? Oh, no, Shakhtar need to sell and they will sell. And I'm like, you don't understand. The guy, the team is owned by a billionaire, right? They don't need the money. Even playing in exile, they don't need it. It's, oh, we're going to get him. And then what happened? He ended up in China because the Chinese club paid the 70 million euros, right? So I don't think that's going to happen here with Quincy Promise, but I, I assure you that if a Russian team um, backed by an oligarch wants a certain amount of money, that they're going to get it or they're, not, they're going to hang on to the player. And, you know, the way they're going to do it is by, A, either accepting the exit clause or if they don't want to accept the exit clause, just ignore it and wait until, you know, the transfer deadline ends. And so I think that Quincy Promise... I'm not 100% ruling it out because it's football, right? Everything can happen. But I think that this transfer target in particular is extremely difficult. And from what I'm hearing, it's very, very, very unlikely. Look, the latest rumor was based on an Instagram post by Vinaldum, Just to give you a little bit of an instigation <laughs> of where we're at, right? But then there was talk of Smoloff as well. Um, I think it was yourself highlighted that to me today from this is Anfield. Is there any smoke around that one? No. Um, no, I don't think so. You know, I'm a little bit guilty there myself to like link it in. Um, but I think I tweeted out that this is extremely unlikely. I think Fedor Smolov would be the striker that they need. Um, he would be definitely an upgrade over Sturge and a much cheaper one at that because he's banging in the goals like there's no tomorrow right now. The, the thing is with him, he has been quite clear about where he wants to go. He said that his future is in Germany. Um, and in particular, you know, he, he said, if I leave Russia in the winter, it will be only for one club. And then he was asked in the interview, where is the club based? And he said, Germany. So um, since then, the agent has said that they're in talks with Borussia Dortmund. We don't know if that transfer will actually happen in the winter or in the summer. That's still to be open. Or if it's going to happen at all, you know, like, again, um, Krasnodar, his team are owned by a very rich Russian oligarch. So 
in the end of the day that transfer might not materialize either but i think if he goes anywhere in the winter it will be uh germany and borussia dortmund so i i can't see that one either and that actually would be a, a player who they could use um quincy promise i'm not so sure they actually need because quincy promise is not as as forward a striker he's a winger right um and you you seem to have plenty of them already and i think what you need really is someone who banks in the goals yeah we need somebody else with with pace though i mean i think that's that's the the big miss when uh, i think it's going to be highlighted and has been in the couple of games that Mane hasn't played uh both tonight and of course the the game against burnley which he missed in which we were sorely one pace but yeah club i mean clubs mentioned wingers a, a few times just just that word i mean it, it's funny in a way because we don't really play with wingers as such but certainly yeah somebody who's, who has pace up front uh in the wide positions or even through the middle but it's that uh mané stand-in or not even just a stand-in an alternative or somebody even put on the other wing from time to time uh i think is is where we're missing in the in the front three i don't know what you think dave um yeah i would tend to agree with that and, and on that you know, I was surprised that Ojo wasn't at least on the bench tonight because, and I think this is this is the position that we're in with players of that skill set that he's the closest thing we have to Manny at this current point in time, and he's got what maybe five first team starts maybe is it maybe if that I'm not even sure. Um, yeah, had a few last year, didn't he? Yeah, had a few, had a few last yeah, year. Yeah, but guys, um, but guys, how are you going to ever develop players from your own ranks if you don't give them the start? Let's see, money comes back, right? And all of a sudden, you have two players on that position, and you're basically buying a money replacement for fifty million euros from Russia, and you're not even guaranteed the guy works in England. Isn't it much better to bring in these players from your own academy and just be patient? I mean, look at Dortmund, the likes of Mario Götze. They did not grow on trees. Klopp developed them from the academy, right? And you look at all the young guys that are coming in in German clubs in general. You know, these guys don't grow on trees. They, they are great players because they were thrown in when times were tough. So, I mean, this, this may, you guys can shoot me down on this, but I think it would be almost smarter to re refrain from buying on that position and just test some of the young kids. Man, I do, I do agree with you 100%. Um, and I think that if you do go out and buy four or five players, it, it's going to hinder the development of the crop coming through. I think that in saying that, I think that there is, I think that he will sign someone. I genuinely do think he will sign someone. If not now, he will sign one or two in the summer. But they will not be players that will take up development posts, I suppose, is the best way I can put it, there'll be guys like Wijnaldum or Mane who can go straight into the first team um, and he'll maybe shift a couple of other players on. But yeah, I think, you know, there's a comparison, there's a comparison with Arsenal maybe beginning to happen. And I think there was no coincidence that, that uh, young promising players, the likes of um, Oxley Chamberlain, Walcott, Ramsey, um, there's probably others that I'd, can't even think of now. Um, all chose Arsenal over all the other teams that, that were after them. Um, and it's because they knew with the way they used their, used, used their youth development, gave them opportunities in, in cup games like we did with the Plymouth match, um, gave them opportunities in the first team. Um, although Wenger has taken so much abuse over that type of approach, it's absolutely crazy. That's the 
the team that they would go and sign for. Um, and I think that we're starting to see the beginning of that now. Um, and I hope that that is the way we go um, because there's there's players there that, that there's a lot of potential um, from what we've seen so far. And the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold and um, Woodburn and, and Adjaria. So I do want to see them get more time. Um, I think everybody's just very anxious, Manu, at the moment because they feel that there's potentially a title to be won here and they want to go out and, and do it now and do it today. Um, and that's just a, a, a symptom of short-termism in football at the minute, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and even, yeah, and, and the fact is, see, to be honest, even if we did sign someone, I think there's very few players that would be able to come in and keep up with the physical demands that would take the slot straight into the first team anyway. It would take them probably at least 12 weeks to get up to that standard. So is there really any point in doing it now unless you're doing it to plan for next season? Well, you know, you sound prob- like, like Klopp because like this is this is how, how we think about winter transfers in Germany. And we actually have a winter break in Germany, right? Where we could actually bring in these players and do do put them in a camp for four, for two weeks and train with them. You guys don't even have that luxury. So, you know, you have to think like Klopp. Klopp, of course, thinks it's like, okay, I can sign this guy. But then it will take him until April, until he's actually used to the game. And it will take him until the summer, until he's actually, you know, uh, completely adapted to everything. So why make that signing now? If it doesn't even help you, all you're doing is basically blocking spots and you're burning money. And then, you know, like it's the worst time of the year. And we all know the English press. You sign someone now and he doesn't work right away. He's just going to get scrutinized to the very end. And um, I, I just I, I just trying to think, you know, trying to maybe explain his thinking, you know. And like, um, he when he was at Dortmund, he was always very opposed to winter transfers. Yes, they did it a few times. You know, Nuri Shahin, for example, who they brought back or Kangava. But these guys, they didn't work right away. They took six months until they were and they, they were playing there before, right? And they took still six months to get adapted to the, the kind of football they were playing. And I, I think, you know, um, you almost run in danger that you're making the situation worse rather than better. But if you, I mean, I totally see, see that way of thinking. And I mean, it, it seems to make logical sense. But then if you make the signing now, bearing in mind that you're probably going to have a whole load more games next season on top of the ones you already have for this season, but possibly, a, I don't know, an extra 12 games or something. And it's going to take that long for the player to to get up to speed. Then isn't it better, in a way, to sign somebody now so that come the first week or the second week in August that they can hit the ground running? That, yeah. uh, there, in there, that sense, there is something to that, and German teams sometimes do that—that that they buy someone who they wanted to buy in the summer, anyways. Um, they do that when a player becomes available. You see that recently. Um, we covered this on the Gegenpressing podcast um, with Kolochichak, who Gladbach signed from Sevilla, a defender, um, who they had on their radar anyways. So they, they brought him in because they know him full well they would have bought him anyways. And he became available, so they, they went for him, right? Um, that's always a question, though. Who becomes available? Um, what kind of player are you looking for? And then, the, the, of course, are you willing to have that kind of patience? And, um, you know, and, and England, um, and this is actually a big topic that we recently covered on the Gig Pressing podcast as well. English media is so hard on, on, on players, right? Um, and you, Carrius, Loris Carrius is a great example of that. They're not given the same amount of time. And I think, um, I think if Klopp sees a player who he really likes and there is a chance to bring him in, 
he will do it. Um, don't get me wrong. I just looking at the, the list of potential Liverpool targets that I have in front of me right now. None of the players I see on there, um, are going to be that kind of player or going to be available. Okay. Okay. So it's already down to availability and, uh, it's not looking good at the moment then. <laughs> Well, that's, that's what I think. I mean, I see like, you got, you guys can give maybe talk a bit more about this, but I see guys like Julian Brandt from Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, that's not going to happen. Quincy Promise, we just talked about. And uh, Jesse from Paris Saint-Germain, surely is going to be expensive, right? And then I have Raul yeah. Jimenez from uh, Sporting Lisbon, uh, who's a striker. And, you know, maybe Portuguese sides are more willing to send, sell in the winter. And that, that could be a forward that you need. Then I have Emil Forsberg uh, from Leipzig. And that's definitely not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I have a young player from uh, Norwich, Jacob Murphy. Um, don't know very much about him, but he's 21. Um, you know, plays in the championship. And German teams have been dipping into the championship quite a bit. So that might be actually a logical signing because that kind of kid would take time to adapt, right? And then on the list, and you guys probably will think this is crazy. I saw Alex Oxley Chamberlain today. Um, Again? Okay. Again? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been, been kind of doing the, well, doing the rounds in, in Liverpool gossip columns that we've been linked with him and Klopp sort of rubbish the rumor. But it, if it's come back again, it's, it seems to not be going away. Yeah. So, you know, that actually, but he plays Champions League right now, right? Um, I, yeah, I, I think, but not for long. Until February, at two least. more games. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't play a lot of football at Arsenal. I think that's maybe maybe why it seems realistic that yeah. he's not he's not close to to starting in the first eleven every week by any means. And he's um, the most he's, realistic on the list, I think. I was going to ask you about Brandt, actually. Manu, um, because he seemed to me to be the most logical of the ones that I've seen. Um, you'd expect that he would understand the, the type of football better than most, and he would, he would probably be somewhere close to that level of fitness. What's the reason why that is so unlikely? They're not going to sell him in the winter. Um, okay. No chance. That seems fair no, enough. No chance. <laughs> That's, uh, not even for not even for a massive fee, Manu. You know, if if, if they went in balls out, so to speak, with with the checkbook, surely everybody has a price. Yeah, no, but um, Bayer Leverkusen, you know, they they're in such a difficult situation right now to begin with. Um, you know, uh, it's another big topic on the Gegenpressing podcast, but um, we talked about Bayer Leverkusen quite a bit and how bad they were, and you know, they they were. They were really, really horrible in the Champions League group. It's actually a miracle. I think the only reason they actually got through in the Champions League group is because Tottenham and CSKA were even worse than they were. Was so bad. Yeah. yeah, they were so horrible, right? And um, I think Julian Brandt has been very much their best player this season. And um, it would send such a wrong message right now to sell him. And I, I simply can't see that happening. That said, um, the way they've been playing, they might not make the Champions League next year. Or European football period, and that that would probably mean he's gone. That I think is actually in the summer is quite a realistic target, because um, he said in a recent interview there is he's there is no, he didn't exclude it, but he said like there is I don't need to go to Bayern to be happy, right? So there was links with Bayern Munich, but I think he's not gonna go there. There has been links to Borussia Dortmund, um, which seems to be always a common theme here. You know, whenever Dortmund is linked to someone, then Liverpool are too. But I think that 
if he does go abroad, Liverpool would be actually a logical one for him. Yeah, it can be very hard to prize uh, young German footballers or German footballers of, of, of any age, really. Um, certainly, in, at, while they're in the peak of their career or, or leading up to that, out of Germany. Um, it's, it's, I guess just because of such the... the the standing of the game in, in Germany and the quality of, of the league and also the, the, the desire to, to be seen and, and make the national 11 as well must must have something to do or make the national squad but it's, it's notoriously difficult to, to get your uh, I mean they, they travel about as, as frequently as, as young English players do yeah, no, they, they go abroad a bit more. You know, Emil Chan, for example, Karius, right? Um, we have Mesut Özil playing abroad, Sami Khedira, a few more that I can't think of the top of my head. But, you know, there is a, a lot more foreigners. We have a lot more foreigners in our German national team than England does. Germans do okay. go abroad. It, it just don't go... Um, it has to be the right team. We're talking about clubs like Real Madrid, Juventus, um, Arsenal for some odd reason. And, yeah. you know, Liverpool, you know, why not? And I think working with Jurgen Klopp wouldn't be the worst idea for someone like Julian Brandt. Julian Brandt had a fantastic Olympic tournament and um, really, really stood out and has, has since been really also a fringe national team player. He's been called up a few times now and has absolutely has a bright future. We have to remember he's just 20 years old, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I think this this is one... Um, where I would say it, it, it could happen. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen in the winter. I think it's going to be one, um, that will probably haunt us throughout the summer. Um, and I think it would be for him too to work under a coach, um, like Jurgen Klopp would actually be something that he would probably be looking forward to, especially if Liverpool play Champions League. I think then they have a very good chance, uh, to get him. Yeah. I saw him play against, uh, Rebel Leipzig earlier in the season and, Leverkusen lost the game in the end, three two. But he he was probably one well one of the standout players on the pitch, and certainly Leverkusen's shining light that night. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, you know, he has been the the shining light in in a team that has really struggled all year. Um, really stood out, and he's also when he was brought on for the national team, has really left a mark on the team as well, which is quite impressive for a twenty year old. Um, so. Yeah, a really top, top player. And now that we're all sufficiently depressed because we're not getting anybody by the sounds of it, we're well, going to have to make do. I'll set up for Brandon this summer off that. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, seems to be a player there. But but again, you know, going back to what Dave said, you know, we're sitting second in the league. We're not we're not that far off it. Um, you know, if, if you look at when we came second under Benitez and Rogers, we, we didn't sign anybody, in the, I think, in those Januaries. And we just seemed to fall apart around, you know, the, the April time and just didn't have the legs for, for, for the final stretch. And, and that's my worry that we've put ourselves in this position. Like, don't get me wrong. We're overperforming to be where we are. And in my opinion, we're overperforming to be where we, where we are. But there's that chance. And while I understand the logistics of everything that's been said here and you've all talked like perfect sense. Um, you know, why why just dip into the transfer market for the sake of it and our targets may be hard to get. It's just at this moment in time, it's a major frustration that we can't shore it up because you know Manny is going to be missed for 68 games and it's it's a huge miss whenever we're sitting especially now what, what we're going to talk about you know the game at the weekend going going to Old Trafford and you, you just you know you, it's the kind of game you want players like Manny in your squad for uh Dave yourself you know it's the old enemy it's those that's that time of the year you just go oh fuck not again and you just know 
there's just no way to know what's going to happen here. We could blow them away or we could get blown away. They're in a, they're in a really good streak of form at the minute. Mourinho seems to have turned a corner with them. What's your thoughts going on the weekend? Um, yeah, they're looking very Mourinho United, aren't they? Which is a bit depressing. Uh, I still think they can get. I still think we can get at them. To be fair, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them blow a team away. You know, they've been winning one nils and two ones and late goals, and um, they haven't really played anybody significant, have they? So without scudding us, I think. You know, we talked a lot earlier on about what went wrong tonight. So um, I'm hoping. Maddox's injury seems really strange. Um, it seems to be this one where I think a bit like Henderson's last year, where it can just it'll just not be sore at some point, and he can jump in. I'm not sure. However, I doubt we'll see him back. But um, if we can get Henderson back inside, if we can get you know Lalana back into the midfield, if we can get you know fuck seventy minutes out of Coutinho would be great. Firmino through the middle, and then oh, I don't know what we do out the right-hand side, so it probably won't be that then. I imagine he'll play Lalana as part of the front three um, with Firmino and Coutinho and, and probably Chan, Wijnaldum and Henderson. That's what I imagine it'll be, but I, I could be wrong. It's Yeah, it'll be tight. Um, it'll not be an open game, I don't think. Now, in saying that, uh, I said that I was expecting goals in the Manchester City match, so expect a 4-3 or something. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I never liked these games away at Old Trafford, except for that time we played Moyes, where I was so confident we were going to win. I put 50 quid on us, and it was the best day of my life. Um, <laughs> I was sitting with a little manx around me as well. It was great. So yeah, I, I, I don't like, I don't like these games. Um, so I'll be, I'll be hiding behind the sofa, um, watching it, and I'll, I'll give you a shout afterwards. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, I generally, I mean, I, I generally do like them. I, my sort of time of supporting Liverpool, we've generally been able to get up for these kind of games and maybe not a wet old travel, but just generally raise your game against, against United, um, and, and win it, you know, or, or, or do well anyway. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they are looking, they're definitely a lot, in a lot better shape than they were, um, say, Six, seven, eight weeks ago. There's no doubt about that. They they do seem to have found a bit of rhythm. And whether Ibrahimovic had an illness last night or whether he was just being rested for the weekend, who knows? But I'm sure he'll be back. And he's been scoring a you know a shit ton of their goals. I mean, there's there's no getting away from that. I agree with you, Dave. I think we will go that way. Hopefully Henderson is back, and I think it'll be Lalana, Firmino, and Coutinho up front. I think Coutinho will start. I think he's been um, the the fact that he was first sub on tonight and Klopp was willing to give him half an hour. I think shows that he's he's probably ready to to come back into the first team. So, yeah, I think that was I think that was probably planned, Neil, yeah. more so than out of the way the game was going. I think he always planned to give him thirty minutes to try and get some um, a few minutes under his belt for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, with a view to to starting him at the weekend, like so. I'd imagine he starts, and you know, then then. Um, I mean, we should. We 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 have the firepower. We have we have the the, the quality. It, it just depends. We we mentioned earlier we've been in a bit of a rut. We're three games now without a win. Only two goals in the last three games, uh, albeit with you know a, a wide variety or, or a large number of, of different players rotating through the squad uh, for the games. But 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really hold any fear. I would settle for a draw, but obviously I'd want a win. Um, I think, as you mentioned earlier, Dave, if you took four points off United and Chelsea, you, you'd be happy enough with that. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't don't see any reason to, to really fear going there. Um, I would say that we're quite capable of getting a result of some kind, and, and there's no reason why if we can't, uh, recapture some of our form. We couldn't go there and and, eat, and, and turn them over. And Manny, for yourself as a as, as a neutral in this one, uh, Mourinho certainly turned United around. They were a bit of a laughing stock, but uh, they're still in touch. They're still in that top six. And and and, the, and another question for you as well: Do you think that Klopp is finding life a little bit more pre- a little bit more pressure in life in in the Premier League with you know this this six horse race basically that's, that's going on in the Premier League at the minute? It's great watching. But it would be somewhat of a new experience for him. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, when he when he first took over with Borussia Dortmund, you know, the the two years he won the title there, it, it was very much the same in Germany, um, with many teams being able to win the title. It's been really just the last four years that Bayern has um, taken such a lead in the league. And I mean, anyone who watches Bayern and sees Bayern and um, in the Champions League, they they are one. In my opinion, they have the best best squad in the world, right? So they're quite rightfully sitting up there and. Um, so, you know, in that regard, to get back to your question, I think it's, it's not new to him, um, because he's been in the situation and he's actually managed to win a title on two occasions being in the situation. So, um, in, in a league that was a lot tighter back then than it is now. That said, um, the game itself, uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see this one. Uh, I have a bit of a personal beef with, uh, Mourinho for the way he treated Bastian Schweinsteiger at the beginning of the season. I thought that was absolutely horrendous what he did there. Um, you know, a player who has so done so much for the national team and uh, is a legend, um, even though I'm not a Bayern Munich fan, um, should be not treated the way he was treated. So I, I don't think I will ever quite forgive Mourinho for that. But, you know, it has been impressive what he's done lately. Um, his squad has looked a lot better. Um, they, they've been winning games. I, th- I think we ought to see, if, to see that right here, eight games in a row now. That said, at the same time, um, none of those games were really very convincing, were they? I mean, the, the highest was a 4-0 win against Reading in the FA Cup. That's not exactly um, a big surprise. You know, 1-0 against Tottenham. I, I said my piece about Tottenham earlier. I think they're, they're very poor this year. As West Brom in their Crystal Palace. I, you know, I don't think there's that much to fear for Liverpool fans. If, if they play, if Philip Coutinho can start, and if he can play the way he played before he got injured, I think that uh, United is going to be in a lot of trouble. And um, I, I, I will be watching this game because Bundesliga is still off. And uh, I, I do think that Liverpool can take three points. And do you think, uh, you know, again, so, someone you would have probably more knowledge than any of us here is, is Lars Karius. And he's, and he's taken a lot of grief from the, from the British press, uh, which I think is sort of unwarranted. Um, he's a new goalkeeper in a new league, and I, I would have stuck with him. Do you think that he starts this game now? Do you think that's him back? Or you know, I, I've been very curious that Klopp has taken the risk and the gamble of of such a key position as goalkeeper. I think you, you pick your goalkeeper and you stick to it unless you know things go really, really wrong. I don't think it went really, really wrong for Carrius so far. Um, maybe he was shielding him or whatever, but I think for my money, it's time for him to come back in again. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I wouldn't have taken him out in the first place. I know the two of us, we talk quite a bit about this particular issue. And uh, I was 
I was a little surprised that he took him out, but then I remember he did a similar thing with Roman Weidenfeller, um, the season where Dortmund was, um, last after 17 games. It's not that long ago. Um, but he tried a lot of different things and then, uh, took Weidenfeller out and replaced him with Langerak. Um, something that really backfired. You know, Mignolet is not a bad keeper. He's not a bad keeper. Not as bad as the press makes him. I think he's a, he's a, he's a solid keeper. Um, but at the same time, Loris Karius, came from a, a mid-tier team in Mainz from Germany and still managed to be the second best keeper in the league. And I think that is that is quite an achievement. And, you know, um, a lot of the English press always, this is the, the Bundesliga. Um, I watched both leagues and the Bundesliga is just as competitive, if not even more competitive than in the English game. It's a lot faster. It's a lot faster paced. And it's just as physical. And... I think the big difference for uh, him is not the switch in leagues, but it's the switch from a mid-tier team to a big club that competes for a title. You see a lot less of the ball. You um, you have to be aware on a second's notice. And uh, that takes time to adjust. You know, Manuel Neuer, when he first moved to Bayern Munich from Schalke, the first two games he made mistakes. Could you imagine they would have taken him out? No, absolutely not. And I think, um, I think they should have stuck with him because keepers is such a sensitive position. And uh, if keepers don't get the playing time, um, you know, the, the, the confidence degrades and that makes the situation worse rather than better. So I would have kept him in there and I hope he starts. Yeah, and, and Neil and Dave, I'll come to Neil first. Are you hoping for Karius or you prefer to see Mingle start this one? Uh, well, I mean, I think I'd go along with, with what both of you said. I was pretty shocked, actually, when, when Karius was pulled. I... Just didn't think the club would do it. I thought he'd made his choice and he would just stick through him, or stick to him, uh, through thick and thin, pretty much. Um, so I was pretty, pretty shocked when, uh, I arrived to the bar and I was a bit late to the match and I realized Mignolet was, was back in. Uh, so he's done all right. And the thing with Mignolet, he, he was always all right. He's always been all right. He's made a few clangers over the years, but he's just pretty much all right. Uh, Karius has a much higher higher ceiling and is clearly the keeper that um, Klopp has kind of backed to come in and, and become our number one. So he had a good game tonight and I'd be happy to, to see him start. And I, personally, I don't mind if he makes the odd mistake because you're going to do that. You know, as Manu said, you're, you're going to make mistakes. You're a young goalkeeper. You're you're kind of learning your trade in a, in a way. And, you know, Goalkeeping position, they get better with age. They always do because it comes with experience. It comes from experience, knowing where to be, knowing where to position yourself. All these anticipation is a big factor, and that again comes in with how many games you played, how many times you've seen a striker do this, that, and the other. So I'd be quite happy to see him come back in. I didn't really want him taken out in the first place. I don't really think he was the problem in, in any kind of a way. Uh, but I think for some reason the uh, the press jumped on him, and then it all got a little bit kind of silly and carried away with Gary Neville saying this and Carriers coming out and saying that and Klopp saying this and it, it all became a bit kind of public and a bit kind of childish so maybe that's why he took him out to let things calm down but yeah I'd like to see him come back in and if it's for United then so be it Yeah Neil I, I'd, I would suggest that it's as much to do with the, the publicity aspect as, as anything else but you know we've talked in length and I've spoken before about about players taking time to bed into this division and um, if history's taught us anything about football in the Premier League it's taught us that. To be honest I, I, I don't really mind at this point either way which goalkeeper starts um, 
at this moment in time, looking at, at the last three or four weeks, it's far from our, it's far from our biggest concern. So I think Karius is is the long term future number one at the club. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think the summer may see Mignolet out the door um, if it gets to the point where the manager makes it clear to him that that is the way he's going to go. Um, because I don't think um, Mignolet will settle with being number two at a club, no matter where he is. I think he'll want to play his football. So, yeah, I don't mind either way um, which goalkeeper plays. But I think long term, it, it's only going to go one way. No, absolutely. Well, listen, I think that's a nice point uh, on which to leave this. Um, as I say, we've got beat tonight and we've been beat completely in the transfer window by the sounds of things. Our targets don't look particularly good. But before we go, I'll run around the table quickly uh, for our plugs. Neil, Chief, yourself, where can we find you? What are you doing? Any new pods? Anything? Uh, you can find me at Neil1980 on Twitter if you, if you like. If uh, you fancy following me, please do. Um, I've been doing very little Recently, I took a, a break for Christmas and then I've been back to work and now I'm loaded with the cold. So this is the first thing I've done, but um, I should be back up and on the road with, with a pot or two coming soon. Like, But uh, nothing at the minute. And Dave, where can we find you on Twitter and what recording artist book or whatever you would like to plug this week? <laughs> David Dunning, 81 um, on Twitter. I'm not much of a follow, truth be told, so I really wouldn't worry about it. What's that really good Bowie documentary on Channel 2 the other night. Did anybody watch here we, it? Here we go. <laughs> Did anybody watch it? No. I don't no, get I BBC. It, but it must be on we the don't. iPlayer. I'm, I'm, It'll I'm be on the iPlayer. iPlayer. Um, um, the last five years. Yeah, really, really good. So I'll plug that. Go and watch that on BBC iPlayer. It's a good show. There you are, Manny. You got you got education of all times on this <laughs> podcast. And yourself, Manny, I know you've got a lot to plug. Uh, where can we find you? What, what are you doing on Twitter and so on? Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I plucked it quite a bit during this podcast, didn't I? The, the Gegenpressing Bundesliga podcast has been uh, a very big one. I think it's still doing quite well, isn't it, Dave? Um, so yeah, that's that's a podcast you can find me regularly on, and then you can find me on the Football Grad podcast too. Um, and speaking of Football Grad, footballgrad.com, um, a lot of the players that we discussed you can find on the Football Grad network because we actually have a new page for f- German football as well. So um, some of the transfer targets we discussed today, uh, dive into footballgrad.com and click your way through. There's there's tons of articles on there. And then you can find myself um, at Homo Sovieticus on Twitter. Well, listen, that is fantastic. I'll say if people aren't familiar with those websites, and certainly the, the two podcasts there as well, the website's awesome. And, and so are the two podcasts, Football Grads One and the Bundesliga is, is fantastic. Really fantastic. Listen, um, some really in-depth stuff in there on, on the workings of the leagues and whatnot. For any football fan, it's essential listening, especially if you want to learn about new leagues. But listen, gentlemen, we've rambled on here. And as I say, just thank you so much for your time, as always. For my part, I just want to plug WFI, um, all the usual shows there. We've plugged some of them here. We've just I've released the tactics today with Serie A, Bund- uh, Bundesliga, um, the Liga, all the leagues are there and I'll say um, everything's back to full working order again and also Cop Table have just released a Man United preview with Jim Magilton so um, again if you want to it's on our feed, uh, put it up this morning so it's there as well, but other than that I'd just like to thank everybody for listening wish our, ha- wish our listeners a happy new year because it is the first one of the new year and until the next one, hopefully next week, it's goodbye from everybody here Goodbye